Welcome to The Parenting Breakdown. I am your host, Rachel. I am a mom of two young children, a social worker, and a parenting educator with some of the most high-pressure schools in the country where I help folks explore perfectionism and stress and how the culture around us impacts us. And I'm here with my lovely husband. Why don't you introduce yourself? Thanks, Rach. Hi, everyone. My name is Matt. I am Rachel's husband, and I'm also raising these two young boys. In my former life, I was in the rough and tumble world of New York City politics, and I left that all behind to become an executive coach, where now I spend my days really focusing on leaders, figuring out how they can be the best version of themselves. And that's what we're trying to do with this podcast is figure out how we can be the best versions of ourselves as parents. And today we're going to dive into a question that brings up something which is very near and dear to my heart. So I'm going to just get into it. We got a question from a parent who said that when they are around their extended family, it gets really tricky because the extended family expects hugs and kisses from the kids and the kids don't always want to give those. And this person said, my husband thinks the kids just need to suck it up, but I'm not sure. What do I do? Hmm. And I think a lot of people can relate to this question. And what it really brings up is a question about consent. Consent. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because when you say consent, I don't normally think about kids and grandmas. I think about romantic or intimate partners and being in a consensual relationship with another adult. Yeah, I totally get that. There's been more awareness in recent years that the ideas behind consent and what consent actually means that it's relevant starting from birth because we're really talking about bodily autonomy. Mm. We're really talking about respectful relationships. We're really talking about respecting boundaries, asking for permission. These are the core concepts. And so the practice and building the muscle to learn to have to ask for consent and to learn how to give consent is something that can start to happen that the second that we're born, we're negotiating the worlds. And so, yeah, I do. I know this is a really important just because I know you pretty well. <laughs> that oh, this yeah. is actually is a pretty key component to actually you doing this work when it comes to kids and consent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I spent many years doing gender-based violence prevention work and learning from the best of the best. Shout out to Ted Bunch and Tony Porter at A Call to Men. Really learning about how do we prevent harm, right? How can we have respectful relationships that honor people's dignity we have to learn how to practice consent. And that's not something that historically has been part of what kids are taught. Well, that's true. And and that's certainly not something that was not at all on my radar. Yeah. When we had our, certainly we had our first son. And I can distinctly remember the first time I ever thought about the concept of consent as it pertained to children when our son was about four or five at the time. Yeah. And I was trying to get him out of the house one day and it was cold out and he just had a real sensitivity to getting dressed and not wanting to put on his jacket. And I think it was getting close to when we had to leave to go to school. And I just was like, enough of this. And I just took the jacket and I started, I just took his arm and I shoved it in. Yeah. And then I took his other arm and I was shoving it in. Yeah, and he just I started crying and he was very upset. And I just remember just thinking, he's going to cry now, but I'm going to get him out the door. And within 30 seconds, it's going to be fine. And we're not going to deal with this. And he kept crying. And then all of a sudden, I saw you 
glide over oh, yeah. a halo around you. Uh, and you basically just told me to hit the road. And sure enough, I took a few steps back. I watch you get low on his level, murmur some words in his ear. Somehow the intensity of the moment seemed to quickly dissipate. The tears stopped. His jacket went on. This might be some rose-colored glasses. No, I know. I sw- listen. I vividly. Re- I. Why do you think I'm so into you doing this work? Because I vividly remember seeing this firsthand and being mm. like, "Wow, like I cannot do that, right?" And which is a big thing for me to say because I'm. I think I can do a lot of things. <laughs> uh, shout out to narcissism. But no. But in that moment feeling really humbled and then being really impressed. You being able to actually in that moment figure out how to solve this problem as I saw it was amazing. I was like, wow, you have a lot of talent. You're going somewhere. (laughs) Going somewhere. No, I mean. A rising prospect in the (laughs) NBA. Yeah, I deeply, one of my core beliefs and core practices as a parent is around bodily autonomy. I do a lot of workshops around consent and there are certainly moments when we have to keep our children safe, right? Like they can't run into the street. They have to get their vaccines. There's times when we have to do things to their body, whether or not they want it or not. Even in those circumstances, though, I think we can approach with respect and information about what we're doing, right? And I think it's about honoring the dignity of kids and people like everyone has the right to make decisions about what happens to their body. And that then might require some more creativity, patience, (laughs) flexibility, emotional regulation on our part. Yeah. And that's a really radical concept because I don't think we often think of children as actually people like little individuals who have their own values and beliefs and deserve to have uh, the same freedoms that we do. So yeah, the idea of allowing them a choice or giving them consent, it feels radical. Yeah, it is a practice that is resisting the structure and the systems that's been built upon ideas of dominance and violence towards many different groups of people, including children as an oppressed group. Right. And so we have to reorient and all of this work is really about how can we stop and notice the norms that have been handed down to us and make decisions more consciously around them. And what norms do we want to continue? Right. Because not all norms are bad. Certainly Mm -hmm. not grandpa norm. Shout out to my dad, <laughs> Grandpa Norm. Um, oh my gosh. Oh, I did it. Ooh, I yeah. get He's it. You got Nailed to sneak it, it in here. Oh, yeah. It feels good too. <laughs> but obviously, what are we choosing to pass on, right? The stuff that we like, we want to keep going, which is great. And the stuff that we want to not do the same as our folks. And when it comes to consent, the idea of bodily autonomy, it's about prevention. When People, and particularly in our culture, boys are given the message that if someone's not doing what you want them to do, you should just try harder or get physical with them. Right. That is obviously a message of violence. So being a boy and being raised in a household where people just can do what they want against your will is teaching them a lesson when they get older that as long as it's what they want, that 
they could, if they can force it, they can happen. They, they can make it happen. Yeah. It, well, it's a mentality. You're teaching a mentality, a way of operating in the world, which is a risk factor. It increases the risk. Right. Right. For You're not kids. saying, right. Of it's not that, an like, A to B. Right. Right. But it sends the message that in some circumstances, when you're dealing with someone who has less societal power, that you can do what you want to them. And so again, this is not an A equals B, but it is about the type of culture that you create at home and that culture becomes internalized for kids. And that's what they bring out into the world, right? I can imagine that this mentality that you're describing about respecting kids' consent could be really new for a lot of listeners. Like they probably have never thought about it before. And probably when it comes down to kissing grandma, I think a lot of people would just say, What's the big deal? It's just grandma. She loves him. And the hurt that grandma would feel about not getting a kiss is more than the discomfort that you're putting your kid in. And so they're older. Shouldn't we just respect elders and do it? Yeah, I hear that question a lot. And I think we can respect our elders and our children. Yeah. But it might just take thinking in some different ways. And When you said that, you made me think of another opportunity in practicing consent is you help kids learn how to deal with rejection in healthy ways. So fast forward and change the circumstance, the message of we don't want grandma's feelings to be hurt. So let's give her like, let's do something with our bodies to appease her. We don't do we really want that to be the message? Right. Right. So part of consent is also the practice of being able to to say what you're okay with for your body and what you're not, right? And that we have their backs to say, no, I'm not comfortable with that, right? That really struck me. I was thinking about young girls doing things sexually that they don't feel comfortable with because they don't want to make the person across from them upset or young boys too. Totally, right? And of course, in our culture, people that are socialized as girls are generally taught to appease other people's feelings and be pleasers and not make someone uncomfortable. Right. I think those less kind of overt ways of getting what you want, like guilt. Oh, come on. It's grandma. It's like coercion, right? That is coercion. And so we need to be teaching all of our kids that coercion is not an okay way to get what you want. Yeah. I really like the idea of modeling rejection. That's something that I think all boys yeah, and yeah. then definitely could use a, a, an advanced course of studying. And what about when your kids get bigger? What does consent look like then? Well, again, consent is a mentality. It is a practice. It's not limited to just sexual situations or even, you know, this week uh, I got called out for from my from our yeah, big you did. kid. <laughs> so I got called out because the Michigan game was on. Go blue. And our big kid is very into Michigan football. He was dressed in his jersey watching the game. And my Michigan college crew and I were texting. And he looked so cute. And I was like, I'm just going to surreptitiously take a picture of him from the back. So his face isn't on it. That's 100% what I would do. (laughs) And send it to them. Sure. And of course, he caught me. He would never know. Oh, he caught you. And he was like, Mom. I don't consent to that. You talk about consent all the time. Delete that picture. And I'm like, but it's just your back. You can't even see your face, which is a little bit of going to coerce him into agreeing. Yeah. 
And he was like, no, that's not okay. And I'm like, you're totally right. And I deleted it. And I told the crew. Did you really delete it? Of course I did. I did delete (laughs) it. I'm just kidding. (laughs) It was hard though to do because it was a cute picture. And so I think consent shows up that way. Right. And I talk about this stuff all the time and have for like many years. And this idea of not having to get consent from our kids runs so deep that if there's something you want, whether it's to get the jacket on or to make your relative not feel badly or to send a cute picture to your friends, it's like that desire for what we want. It can override the practice, the pause of having to be like, okay, maybe what I want in this moment isn't actually as important as this person feeling comfortable or this child having autonomy, this child having the right to decide. Yeah, and certainly when kids are old enough to really state what their preferences are clearly yeah. as parents, I think we are obliged to respect that. Yeah. And also to acknowledge that you and I are sitting here having this conversation from our lived experience as two white parents raising two white boys. So if our kids want to go to school with no jacket and shorts on in 40 degree weather, that's a very different decision that we're making than parents of a kid of color having to contend with the fact that a racist society with lots of bias might look at that kid without a jacket on and say, are the parents taking care of this kid? Totally. Right. So no decisions are made in a vacuum. All of our parenting decisions are coming from us wanting to do right by our kids and us having to contend with the realities of the society that we live in. And so we'd want to hold space for those different lived experiences and look at how we've all been socialized under the same norms. And also just provide support for others who are out there. Absolutely. And we're back. I think this concept of consent is so is so scary yeah. for so many. Is that it, like the, it's terrifying to think of our kids who can be irrational at times all of a sudden having consent. And I, I can see that when you just think about it from a broad stance, it feels like, well, that means we're just going to give in to the whim that every sure. child has. But obviously that's not no. what we're talking about. I think there's often this idea that mindful parenting is just like a free for all. Um, well, if you use that voice when you say it, it makes me think it's more. so sweet. Right. Well, I think that's yeah, right. what it gets chalked up to. But no, I think we have very clear boundaries in our home around how we're treated, how we're treating yeah. our kids. But those boundaries go both ways, right? So yes, like our youngest little guy only wants to be called by his name and not like a cute nickname. Right. And he's been very clear about that. And we oftentimes forget it. And then he gets upset about it. But yeah. No. And that's part of consent. Right? Yeah. No, that's, yeah. that's what it feels that way. Yeah, right? like totally. He's not consenting just to call him another name and he's being very clear about it. Well, and what's hard about it is that I like to call right. him Sweetie or these like pet names because right. he's my little cutie and he doesn't want to be called those no, names. No, he wants to be called his name. He wants to be called his name. And it's really important that we respect that. So then thinking about the question that we start off the show with, what do you want to say to that mom who's probably listening now? Yeah. I would invite this mom to explore. Why does it feel important to you to have your children be able to decide how they want to greet 
their grandparents what what might it look like for them to have a respectful greeting that doesn't involve physical touch right because we can be creative we can say okay what do you feel comfortable with and we can give choices mm. it can be a high five it can be right. a fist you're bump. not saying it can nothing be, doesn't mean you're rolling your eyes and being right. rude what does respect look like respect doesn't have to look like sitting on someone's yeah. lap and what would you recommend them say to their husband because that feels well, what you're the man here what do you think yeah i've really been won over by just seeing the impact of this kind of parenting in our household and just wanting to respect my kids and i don't want to make them feel uncomfortable i think in the end of the day as rachel said it's not about being disrespectful and i think about the workplace i would i'd want the same thing right like you want it you want a situation which everyone feels comfortable and it's an opportunity right right these little moments what do i make them kiss or hug extended family do i force the jacket on or not it's like all these little moments mm -hmm. are what add up to be our relationships right. and the culture totally. and the yeah. messages that we're passing yes. on that is what it's about yes. that is where we have more our own kind of autonomy and power is like what will we choose in those little moments let's think about what we want to pass on and that's right what, what is the culture don't. we are trying to help create yes. right at home in the world and certainly it's got to be one where bodily autonomy is respected and honored. Yeah. All right. So we're back and we're going to dive into our highlights and teachable moment, but really just want to appreciate folks being with us on this journey, this conversation today about consent. We know there's a lot that this brings up and Matt, I'm grateful to be able to hash this out with you. Always appreciate us being able to talk about these subjects. They're complex I'll remember right. that the next time you're mad at me. <laughs> and we really want to hear folks' thoughts and questions. And so please remember that you can always email us at parentingbreakdown at gmail.com. Now we're going to do our parenting highlight of the week. Yeah, Matt, I know you have a good one oh, for man, us. So. I've, been, I've been waiting on this one. Uh, <laughs> this might be cathartic. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, my parenting highlight of the week, we're taping this now in January yeah. and we just finished winter break. Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately, on the very first day of winter break, Rachel came Ooh. down with COVID. Mm -hmm. and on Christmas Day. On Christmas Day. Uh, and that was a real, that was a real sadness. And <laughs> I think like millions of Americans and probably tons of people that are listening. Everyone knows someone that's gotten COVID in their family. And when that happens and all of a sudden, and you were in a two parent household and one of those parents is out of commission, it throws the whole thing off. Yep. Right. And in this case, on the plus side, it, because it was during winter break, I didn't have work. Right. And so I was able to just solely attend to my children's needs. And on the <laughs> negative side, they had no school or no camps or anything. And so it was legitimately daddy daycare from 530 in the morning until nine o'clock at night. And Ooh. I was really overwhelmed by 
the enormity of it. And our 10-year-old at this point is pretty self-sufficient. Yeah. So let's be real. He was fine. Yeah. I could give him some chicken nuggets, some popcorn. <laughs> our younger guy, not so much, right? He just turned six, really needs to be engaged at all times. He's really into doing science experiments right now, which means that I'm really into doing science <laughs> experiments right now. I probably did about 40 science experiments over the week. He had some big feelings, as I'm sure many kids do when there's a break in routine and all of a sudden things are thrown off and mom's not around. And so how do we keep it together? And I definitely felt completely overwhelmed and yeah. flattened. And I just want to give a special huge shout out mm. to all the single parents in the world because mm. it is so hard. Mm. It is so overwhelming. It is so relentless. Mm. And I just did it for a week and felt leveled like I had no sense of self but the highlight for me was even given this moment and given the enormity of it that I was able to really go with it just submit myself to what this situation was I didn't take it out on my kids I didn't take it out on the big guy I didn't take it on the little guy or me or you it was nobody's fault it was just a hard situation and set up how did you do that Matt how did I do that how did you because I would agree sure. from what I heard from yeah. upstairs, sure. 98% of the time. How did you do that? What was the process for you this past week? I think the process was treating every moment all there was. And mm -hmm. the more that you try in these moments that are terrible to, to bring your own anger and feeling of being pissed off into it, the worse that those moments become. So mm -hmm. ultimately, it's not actually beneficial for you, even if it feels better for a second to, you know, show your kids up or to exert control for a yeah. second. It's just trying to hold water with your open hands, right? Mm -hmm. It just goes right through it. So that's what I did. And I just submitted to it. I tried to find the joy that I could within it. The it other was, thing yeah. that you said to me, which I thought was so helpful. And you say this periodically, but I feel like you also are really conscious of being like, I'm not in a place to make a decision about how I feel uh -huh. about this right now. So I'm not going to right now. Yeah, I'm not going to decide to make any big judgments or decisions. And I want to highlight that highlight. Because I think that's one of the most helpful things that, that I see you do. I see you doing that where I'm starting to go down a rabbit hole or I'm starting to panic. And I feel like you have a real practice around that. Yes. And that takes noticing that you're in that state, like being able to be aware of the fact that you are in a reactive state. Yeah. Is really hard to do. Is it takes a lot of practice. You notice that and then you like or have the discipline to be like, therefore, I'm going to feel all the feelings. Like you're not denying that you feel the rage and the panic and the right. exhaustion, but you're not going to act on those things. Yeah. And that's huge. That's a relationship saver. Yeah, yeah. It really is. So I just saw you doing that a lot yeah. this week. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I think when, when the emotions in a situation get really intense, it's always better to figure out how to go the other way. <laughs> so yeah, that was it. So that was the highlight of the week was really yeah. for me was just making it through the week. Yeah. <laughs> and I did it. And well, that, in the way that you did. Sure. I did it in a way that I could make it about. your week in any way. Sure, exactly. And now the children are back in school and I get a lot of chips. <laughs> Look forward to using them wisely. <laughs> <laughs> totally.
What about you, Rachel? What about anything? Obviously, you were a little bit, you were sidetracked this week with COVID, <laughs> but when it comes to the next part of our yeah, segment, which learned. is our lessons learned, yeah. any lessons learned for you that you want to share with folks? Yeah. Well, last night, I think, was something I wanted to share, which our big kid who can be really hard on himself about learning. He learns things pretty quickly, like in school. And if he, if something is not coming easily to him, that can be really hard for him. And he was working on some homework last night and he asked me for help. And he was having a hard time understanding the way that I was doing it, which I was like, this is how I learned this 30 years ago. But he wanted to do it over and over to get it. And I see that he was getting so frustrated. And I was saying, maybe we take a break. And he was like, no, we need to keep right. Like he just wanted to drill himself with this. And I was like, okay. And I kept going with it. And then he just lost it. And he ended up yelling and storming upstairs and he was like I don't want you to come up I'm going to bed by myself and we have bedtime routine where I always we always say goodnight and have a hug and it's a sweet routine and my instinct was to go follow him and fix it I wanted to fix it I was seeing him being so hard on himself that he wasn't getting this math situation immediately. And I just wanted him to be in a different place than he was, right? I wanted him to be able to talk about that, <laughs> process that. I wanted to be able to send all the like good messages that I talk about in my work all the time around his, I couldn't do any of that. He wouldn't let me, but I kept pushing. Mm. Does I kept it work trying. to push when your child doesn't <laughs> want you to do that? Yeah, it's a really good practice. Gotcha. No, but it's an ongoing, right? The lesson, what I ended up doing, and I was like, okay, right, I know this lesson, is breathe, slow down, give him a little space. That panic comes up where I'm like, oh, this is a moment where I want to teach him this and I want to have this experience with him and just really having to work on taking a breath and being like, we can talk again. This moment doesn't have to be perfect. I just need to give him the space. And it was hard. I was texting you because <laughs> I really wanted to go up and yeah. keep trying. And I was proud of myself in that moment mm. to not give you advice because mm. I really was going to. What was your advice going to be? I don't even remember uh, what yeah. it was, but I had a bunch of things and yeah. I just was like, oh, you know what? I think Rachel is actually just wants to say this to me. Wow. And, and I just said, I'm sorry. Wow. And that feels like just a huge that moment was, in our relationship there you go. where you didn't try there to, you like you didn't try to fix it yeah. and give me advice. Yeah. You just held the yeah. space for me to have emotion. I Ooh, did. I, amazing. I like that voice. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, and then he ended up coming back down, right? And wanted a hug and wanted to talk about it a little bit, right? Just a little bit. And we did. We talked about how it's okay to struggle. It's okay to yeah. have a hard time with things. And that's all he really wanted to hear. For me, the lesson is from the second that I saw him starting to get in drill me, I need to learn this just intense mode. Yeah. I knew. That's for me. That's what I taught him. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <laughs> but I knew in that moment, like, we just need to call it. Yeah. I need to set the boundary. I need to let him push up against that boundary and let him get upset. But I was feeling too anxious about yeah. doing it. So I think my lesson learned is to like, A, kind of trust my gut around some of this yeah. stuff and also to just slow down and give space and not need to have the conversation over and over in the moment. Yeah. I'm glad that you learned that lesson. Well, none of these are like lesson learned period. It's 
the ongoing reminder that this is part of my work. Yeah. That's what that section should yeah. actually be called. Yeah. Highlights and the ongoing reminders of our journey. A little bit less catchy, but <laughs> I appreciate it. And we've now come to the end of our journey today yes, on, this, on this episode. So thank you so much for staying with us. We really appreciate it. Please email us at parentingbreakdown at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you and we will talk to you next week. See you next week. Thanks, everyone. Parenting Breakdown is a Clamor Audio production distributed by the Cloud 10 Network. Hosted and executive produced by me, Rachel Hennis. And me, Matt Borden. Executive produced by Aaron Hilliard. Clamor General Manager, Rich Statter. Associate Producer, Ethan Aronson. Post-production supervised by Devin Ruskin. Production Assistant, Samara Mullick. Special thanks to Sim Sarna and Saiba Krieger at Cloud 10. truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.